Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. It says in verse 28, it says, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning that it is finished. Your salvation is finished. Your ticket to get to heaven has been punched. It's been finished. There's nothing more you can do to it. There's nothing more you can add to it. It's been finished by by the precious blood and the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this morning, I'm going to take you through a series of verses. Please hang with me. If you you get lost, just write them down, go home and study them to show you that your salvation is finished. It's not any kind of work. It's not any kind of process. It's been done. It's finished. Jesus Christ says on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. Man, we serve a great Savior. We serve a great Lord that finished it for us. And we didn't have to do anything more to it. And you say, well, I don't know if I believe that, Brother Keegan. I don't know if you can. It's just so easy. It's just to believe. Now, hang with me. As I go through these scriptures, I think I'll prove to you out of the Word of God, it is finished. It is finished. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Follow with me, please, if you can. And I'm going to show you some verses to show you that it is finished. Our salvation is done. It's finished. So we have a very, very unique religious system or teaching compared to all the other religious systems. When you go to all the other religious systems and teachings on how to get to God and how to approach God or how to get to different levels of, of, of state of happiness, there's all kinds of different ways that they like to label it. Ours is very, very unique. Every other religious teaching, it'll teach you that there's something you have to do. You have to do this and you have to do that. You can't do this and you can't do that. Ours is the only religion, ours is the only teaching where our Savior has done it. Ours is not a do, ours is a done. you got to grab a hold of that. You're not going to do anything to add to salvation. All you're going to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I'm going to show you why it's that way. I'm not only going to show you that it is that way, I will show you this morning that it's, there's a reason why God made it that way. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the Old Testament, that he may establish the second, the New Testament, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus Christ was only going to be sacrificed once. He's only going to go to the cross of Calvary once. He's only going to be a lamb He shed his precious blood once. The second time, he's a lion. (laughs) He's a warrior. He's a king. He's going to be a suffering prophet one time. 
Then he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That verse is talking to you, my Catholic friends. Sitting up there breaking some kind of Jesus cracker, some kind of wafer and putting it on people's tongues, saying that when they're taking this little sacrifice, that that's going to wash away their sins. That's going to take away that sacrament. It's going to take away their sins. As they openly, every Sunday, take that little cracker and sacrifice Jesus Christ over and over and over again. He's only been sacrificed once, and it was for all. It's finished. Read your Bible. But this man, after he had, verse 12, and this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting to his enemies be made his footstool, and they will, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He done it one time on the cross of Calvary. It is finished. Praise the Lord for that. Look at chapter 12, verse 2. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Guys, there's nothing more you're going to add to salvation. There's nothing more you're going to do for God to get you salvation. It is finished. And we serve a Jesus Christ that finished it for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Jesus Christ, He's the author of my salvation. He's the author of what gets me into heaven. He's the one that wrote it. He's the one that finished it. He's the one that started the letter, and He's the one that ended the letter. He's the one that put the the end on salvation. He's the author of it and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did all that for me and you. He's the author of that. And he's the finisher of that. That's why he sits on the cross and says, It is finished. I can already hear people talking. Oh, if it was only that simple, preacher. It can't be that simple. It can't be so simple just to believe in Jesus Christ. There's gotta, you've got to do the works of God. You've got to do the works. I've heard people say that too. You've got to do the works of God. Turn to John chapter 6. I'll show you the works of God. Turn to John chapter 6. Oh, it can't be that simple, preacher. It can't be that simple. You've got to do some work. You can't just believe. It's not so simple as to say you believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Oh, yes, it is that simple. There's got to be a work, preacher. There's got to be a work you've got to do. Look at John chapter 6. Let's look at what Jesus said. John chapter 6, verse 27. Look at verse 27. Here's the work. Jesus says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. You won't earn it. He'll give it to you. You won't earn it. He'll give it to you. For him hath God the Father sealed. God didn't seal up Muhammad. God didn't seal up Buddha. God didn't seal up no other way. It's Jesus Christ. And why is it that way, preacher? Because he's the only one that died for you on the cross of Calvary. He's the only one that went up there and shed his blood. That's why he says, it is finished. Amen. There's nobody going to come after him. 
Joseph Smith or any kind of pope or whoever you want to say, Mary Baker Eddy, nobody's going to come to give you more revelation. It's finished. Your salvation is done. Look at verse 28. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Oh, preacher, you've got to work the works of God, preacher. Jesus, what do we do to work the works of God for this eternal life? Verse 29, here's the answer. Jesus says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. Amen. Amen. Jesus answers them. Here's the work. Believe on me. Believe on me. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Please turn to Romans chapter 4. Oh, it can't be that simple. Yes, yes it is that simple. God has made it so simple that a little child can get saved. God has made it so simple that somebody who's mentally challenged can get saved. God's made it so simple that it doesn't matter who you are, you can get saved by believing on Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. It's not any work you do, it's your faith you put in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertains to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. We're going to get to that verse. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Was Abraham righteous? No. Y'all read the Bible. Y'all read. Your... Abraham wasn't righteous. He was a liar. Abraham did all kinds of bad things. Well, then why, how was he righteous? Because he believed God. God says, you believe me, so I think I'm going to count that as righteousness. You get it? You believe on Jesus Christ, he counts that as righteousness. It's not hard to understand. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. We'll get to that verse later. Look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not... That's me. That's you. That's anybody that comes to Jesus Christ. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You're working not, but you're believing on him that justifieth. Are you ungodly? Amen, you're ungodly. How do you get God's righteousness? His faith is counted for righteousness. Your faith that you believe and you put on Jesus Christ, God counts that as righteousness. Verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. <laughs> no works. God just gives him righteousness. You know what David said about that man? He's blessed. I'm blessed this morning. I'm blessed. You know what I wrote in my Bible? I have a Bible at home. Sometimes, like, y'all know me, sometimes I get a little overzealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. I get a little overzealous sometimes, and all my Bible's at home. Next to this verse 6 where it says, God imputeth righteousness without works. Beside that, I wrote out there, take this and stick it in your tailpipe and smoke it, Church of Christers. And I was reading that, and I was like, whoa! I was a little zealous there. A little zealous. 
Truth hadn't changed, though. I don't have to work. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. My righteousness is Jesus Christ. It is finished. It's finished. Listen, your righteousness is not going to get you into heaven. It's not. Your righteousness is not going to get you into heaven. Well, Brother Keegan, how am I going to get into heaven? By the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God takes Jesus Christ's righteousness and puts it over on you. And your unrighteousness, your sin, you know what God did with that? He takes it off of you and puts it on Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Oh, that's why you don't want Muhammad. That's why you don't want Buddha. That's why you don't want any of these fakers. You want the person that's going to take your sin at the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ. And you want the one that God says, I'm going to take his goodness, his righteousness, his sinlessness, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it on you. It's called imputation. See that? God imputeth righteousness without works. Verse 7 saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Amen. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. By faith in Jesus Christ. This righteousness is not yours, is not your own. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. But now the righteousness, righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God without the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What is this? Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. What? No difference what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Those verses tell you that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is put on you when you believe in Jesus Christ. You're not going to work it, guys. You're not going to work it. You're not going to work it. You're not going to work it. You're not going to go about establishing your own righteousness. You're not going to go about saying, well, I'm going to do this good, and I'm going to do that good, and then when I get to heaven, then God will judge me for all the good I've done. Uh-uh-uh-uh. It don't matter. It, don't, don't, it doesn't matter how much good you've done. You could have been the most upstanding citizen in America, and when you murder, you're going to go before the judge, and you're going to go to jail for that one sin you did. When you get to heaven and you stand before God, you can't, God, you just tell God, I did all this great stuff. That's not why you're going to hell. It's not all the great stuff that's sending you to hell. It's all the stuff you did wrong that's going to send you to hell. That's what you need to be worried about. Your righteousness is never going to be good enough to get you into heaven. Jesus Christ says your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were as righteous as you could get in God's law. And Jesus Christ said they're still going to go to hell. What do I do, preacher? You better get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You better get, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. You better get that. Do you have it? Amen. It's easy to get. You just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's easy to get. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. It's a free gift of righteousness. You're not going to go out there and say, well, I can get this righteousness, but I don't have the money to buy it. God don't work that way. 
Oh, I would get this free righteousness, but uh, this righteousness, but I don't know how I'm going to earn it. You're not going to earn it. I just read the verse to you. Jesus Christ says, I'll give it unto them. In John chapter 10, Jesus Christ said, I give unto them eternal life. Give it. Not, they don't earn it. Look at Romans chapter 5, look at verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Is that free gift? For if through the offense of one, who's the offense of one? That's Adam. Many be dead. You're dead because of Adam. Much more the grace of God and the gift, the gift by grace, which is by one man. Who's that one man? Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. By one man, Adam, we're all sinners. By one man, Jesus Christ, we can all be righteous. Amen. Well, it's not fair that I was born unto Adam. I didn't have no choice. That's right. You don't have no choice. But you know what? It's not fair that you can get the righteousness of Jesus Christ either. But God does it for you. See, he makes it up. He makes it up that you're born into sin by letting you be born again into righteousness. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. This free gift is not just for that one sin that Adam did, it's for all the sins. Man, you've got to grab a hold of that. Verse, it's a free gift. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense he ate off that tree, death reigned by one, that one man is Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Who's that one? Jesus Christ. It's real simple, guys. You either got it or you don't. You either have Jesus Christ or you don't have Jesus Christ. You've either put your faith and received Jesus Christ or you've never received it. A gift can be offered and not received. Somebody can come up to you and say, I've got a free gift for you. I've got a free gift I want to give you. You don't have to do nothing for us. I just want to give it to you. And you can say, I don't want it. I've heard people do it all the time. I don't want nothing from you. See, a gift can be offered. An amazing gift can be offered, but it can be rejected. It doesn't have to be received. So the question I have for you, have you received it? There's a free gift waiting for you, but you have to receive it. See that in verse 17? For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive which receive abundance of grace, you've got to receive it. Verse 18, Therefore, as by, by the offense of one Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Because of one man, Adam, we're all condemned. Even so, by the righteousness of one, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Amen. One man, Adam, he messed it all up for everybody. One man, Jesus Christ, he makes it right for everybody. See how it's all about this man, Jesus Christ? See, it's all about this one man, Adam. He messed it up. And this man, Jesus Christ, he cleaned it up. Jesus. It is finished. Romans chapter 10. Here's the problem. Man gets involved. He wants to put his unrighteous hands, filthy, nasty hands. Man wants to put that all over God's free gift. You ever had something really, really nice you are going to give to somebody? And you wouldn't let your kids touch it? Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Don't touch that. Get away from that. Why? Because they got those filthy, nasty hands. And they're going to get it nasty and spotted. And they're going to do something to it. Amen. Take your hands off of it. This free gift is precious. It's perfect. Don't touch it. But man wants to touch it. Man wants to add to it. Man wants to put his two cents into it. 
Man wants to say, it can't be that easy, God. Let me do something. Let me have a part of it. And God said, it don't work that way. So what man does is he creates religions to try to self-justify himself. He tries to create religions to be more righteous. And he goes about to establish his own righteousness. I'm a good guy. I, I'm doing pretty good right here. God should accept me because I'm pretty good. You're rotten and no good. God sees right through you. And he sees all the sin on you. And heaven won't be heaven if you're up there with all that sin on you. You've got to be cleansed. You've got to be washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Heaven won't be heaven if Keegan's up there. I don't want to be up there. I want to be up there with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because I know Keegan. I'll, I'll mess it up. See, if you let Keegan in there without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you know what Keegan will do? He'll be there with his pocket knife trying to get that gold up there off the streets. Because he's an idiot. If I can just get that gold, I'll be rich. That's Keegan. But with the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering me, I can enter in. No more sin. Oh, Can you imagine what life's going to be like living in a sinless body? Not worrying about what you're going to think. Not worrying about the next thought that's coming in your head. Not worrying about what you're going to do. You just do it. And everything you do is perfect. That's a perfect body. A sinless body with a sinless soul living in eternity with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ can say, it's finished. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That's a Jehovah's Witness, that's a Mormon, that's any other body, a church of Christ. Is anybody else going about to establish their own righteousness? See that in verse 3? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Amen. Grab a hold of those verses. They're zealous, amen. We want to tell you about the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall and all this other nonsense you get knocked on the door and they're going about to establish their own righteousness. They're so zealous, they'll get in the car and go knocking on doors in the heat of the day. Oh, they're so zealous for God, but they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And when they present to you God and Jesus Christ, they don't want to show you Jesus Christ as simply a belief. They want to show you that you need to go this way. And before long, you get to talk to them and they'll have you, you got to go to our church. You got to work in our church. You got to be baptized in our church. Jesus says it's finished. Stop trying to establish your own righteousness. The righteousness of God is found in Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Any work you do is not to the cross, it's from the cross with the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. Stop trying to work your way to the cross, you're never going to get there. Because God's not going to accept it. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I don't have any law on me. I believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Listen, if you're going to start keeping the law, you've got to keep the whole law. You've got to live by it. Not just on Sunday. Not just a couple of days of the week. You've got to keep it all the time for the rest of your life. And my friend, if you're honest with yourself, you cannot do it. If you think you can do it, let me tell you something. You're lying to yourself. You're going about trying to establish your own righteousness. You're ignorant. That's kind of plain talk, Brother Keegan. There's times we need to start talking some plain talk. 
This country's got the ears tickled so much, and they've been drinking so much milk, they can't even stand to eat just a little bit of meat out of the Word of God. So many of y'all have been cuddled by pastors and cuddled by these different religious leaders. It makes me sick to my stomach. Wake up, grow up, take the bottle and throw it off. Get out of the crib and grow up and start living for the Lord. Learn something about your Bible. I hope you get mad at me. I hope it gets you so mad that you start reading your Bible to prove me wrong. Amen. Amen. Verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend unto the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What do we preach? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How is that possible, preacher? Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And with the mouth Confession is made unto salvation. Your mouth's going to show where your heart's at. Have you ever prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how? That's salvation in Jesus Christ. That's having a heart believing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They died on the cross for your, for your sins. He rose from the dead on the third day. That's, that's in your heart. And you say, I believe that. Now I want to ask Jesus Christ to save me. And you pray and you ask Jesus Christ to save you. And he saves you. By your faith you put in Him. His righteousness is took off of Him and put onto you. Your unrighteousness is that, at that moment is took off of you, your sin, and put onto Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. I don't need to make it complicated. God doesn't make it complicated. Believe, confess, you'll be saved. Any other work you add to that is added work that God doesn't want added to it. He doesn't work, want any work added to it. It's all about belief on Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I warned you I was going to take you through some scriptures. But if I don't take you through enough scriptures, somebody in the back will be sitting back there maybe and say, I don't know if I really believe that. It can't be that simple. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is that simple. And I'm about to show you why it's that simple. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How are you saved? By grace, through faith, not of yourselves, not of works. It's by grace, through faith, and not of works. That's how you're saved. So the question arises, okay, Brother Keegan, I I see what you're saying, what the Bible says, but that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would God not want me working? Good question, amen. Why would God just allow me to sit back and just let Jesus Christ do it all and finish it and then not have me do anything but just put my faith on Him? Well, it tells you right there in verse 9. Here's one of the reasons. I'm going to give you three reasons why God doesn't want you touching His salvation. First is verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. God doesn't want you getting to heaven and boasting about how good you are. Well, I wouldn't do that. You stinking liar, you would. I live in Texas. I'm surrounded by boasters. 
They boast about their land. They boast about their car. They boast about their truck. They boast about their kids. They boast about... You don't think that one of them idiots wouldn't get up... One of them Texan idiots wouldn't get up there in, in, in heaven and start boasting about how they got themselves into heaven. Yes, they would. I did so much for God. I was so wonderful for God when I was down on earth. I know He let me in here because I was so good for Him. God doesn't want you out there boasting. And He knows your heart. And he knows if you had just one little percentage of getting part of that salvation, you would take that little percentage and boast about it. Read it. Not of works. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. We're a bunch of boasters. Guys, we boast right now about how good we are. I go to church. Look at them. They don't even go to church. I read my Bible. They don't even read their Bible. Oh, they're reading the wrong Bible. I got a King James Bible. Come on, guys. Think about how much we boast about what we do in ourselves in Jesus Christ. Think about if we thought we had a little bit to do with our salvation. We're wicked. That's why we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be put on to us. Praise the Lord. You can write down Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Write that down. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. We'll become self-righteous. We'd become self-righteous if we were doing it ourselves. That's what happens with the Church of Christers. You ever get around some good Church of Christers? I mean, real Church of Christers that really believe what they, what they teach? They're some of the most self-righteous, pompous jerks you've ever been around. I've had one of them Church of Christ preachers attack me out on the street. Self-righteous. You're doing it wrong. I felt like, Lord, just look away, Lord, for a second. I'm going to punch this guy in the face. Show him how to do it right. Self-righteous, pompous. You become self-righteous. I've dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses and I've caught them lying to me. When I call them out, when I catch them lying to me, and they do, and I call them out on it, and I call them a liar, you should see their face turn about 16 degrees of red. I am not a liar. You think I'm exaggerating. Some of y'all think I'm making that up. I'm not making that up. He goes, I'm not a liar. Almost in tears. I'm not a liar. Don't call me a liar. You call me anything but a liar. And I look him in the face and say, you're a liar. Because he lied to me. And I got to thinking about that. Why did he get so emotional? You know, you can call me a liar. I'm a liar, amen. Because they believe that a liar won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he believes if he made that lie, which he knows he did in his heart, he's not going to go to heaven. He's not going to go to any kind of worldly kingdom he thinks is coming. His heart is judging himself. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Y'all guys, y'all need to deal with some people. Y'all need to witness to some people. You need to get around some people, witness to them. Be good for you. I had a Jehovah's Witness come over my house and he was lying to me, like I said. Another one. This is a totally different one. And I said, you need to go back and read Romans chapter 4. You know what he told me? I'll go home and read that. I've never read that before. And he went home and evidently read it, and he showed back up in my house by himself and knocked on my door by himself. And we got to talking on the porch, and I realized, this guy don't want the truth, and he left. And I wondered, what was he doing? I think he came back just to convince himself. But the irony of this is, is I talked to another Jehovah's Witness, and that guy said that was an older, he was an older man, he was in his 80s. He's been a Jehovah's Witness for like 40-something years. Teaching Bible studies, supposed Bible This Jehovah's Witness has been teaching Bible studies all over Brownwood, Texas for 40-something years. And he looks me in the eyes and said, I've never read Romans chapter 4. 
What kind of Bible student has never read Romans chapter 4? The one that doesn't want to believe in faith. The one that wants to take the word of God and pervert it. Going around saying you're a Bible teacher. You've never read Romans chapter 4. Not like somebody saying they're a mechanic and never put gas in a car. Idiots! We're full of idiots. This world is full of idiots. Willfully ignorant. We let these people vote. Obviously, that's why we got in, in the White House. That's why we got who we got in the in White House. It's because we let these idiots vote. It scares me. The only thing that makes me happy is this ain't my world. Jesus Christ is going to come back and clean this mess up. Romans chapter 4, verse 2. Here's another reason why God don't want you working for your salvation. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. The second reason why God doesn't want you working for your salvation is you would get the glory and not God. You see what's happening there? It's not only would you be boasting, but you would deserve the glory. You would deserve glory because you've worked for it. You wouldn't be getting any glory to Jesus Christ. That's why you run into these people that don't want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. that He's just kind of minimal to them. Jesus Christ is just one little part of what God's doing. No, Jesus Christ is every part of what God's doing. You don't understand how important Jesus Christ is to God the Father. And the reason why you don't is because you think you're working your way to God. And you're doing away with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you're trying to get some of the glory away from God and Jesus Christ. And God doesn't appreciate it. Not one bit. So much so that he's not going to let you have one finger to do with your salvation. Because you would boast and you would get some of the glory. Stay right there, but let me read to you Isaiah 42. I don't, I don't want y'all to have to turn there. Let me read to you real quick. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. God wants all the glory. And he gets it through Jesus Christ. Amen. How does he get the glory through Jesus Christ? Because God is manifest in the flesh through Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is walking along, that's God walking along. That's how God's getting the glory through Jesus Christ. You're still in Romans 4, look at verse 4. Romans 4, 4. Here's the last reason why it's not a works. Now to him that worketh, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. See, when you're working for something, then God owes it to you to give you salvation. You understand? It's no longer grace. It's no longer grace. Grace is a free gift. It's unmerited. You didn't earn it. It's just given to you freely. That's grace. But when you're working, grace cannot be involved. It's a debt. God would owe you. And let me tell you something. This is the third point. God doesn't want to owe you a stinking thing. God doesn't owe you a stinking thing. He doesn't want you boasting. He doesn't want you getting His glory. And He doesn't owe you a stinking thing. And you're not going to work and have Him work and make Him owe you something. He owes you nothing when it comes to salvation. You're a sinner, you deserve hell. You're not going to work. Look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. I know this is a strong message, but it needs to be preached. 
Somewhere along the way, our, the Baptists have tripped up, fell down, allowed all the non-denominational to come in or something, and we forget that we're saved by faith plus nothing. And we've gotten into this trip where we're thinking it's not, that Jesus Christ, you've got to add all this stuff to it. You don't add nothing to Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and nothing. It's finished. Romans eleven six. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Work and grace do not mix. If I give you a free gift and then a, a month later I come and tell you you need to pay me for that gift and give me a little bit of money, it's no longer a free gift, amen? That's the way the world works. Absolutely free. Y'all have heard that word, amen? Nothing's absolutely free in the world. Nothing. But with Jesus Christ and through God, Jesus Christ, there's a free gift of salvation. That's the only thing free you're going to find. He doesn't want you boasting. He doesn't want you getting the glory. He doesn't want to owe you squat. So stop trying to add to his, it's finished. You just got to come and take it. Perfectly finished. It's a free gift. It's perfect. Will you receive it? So let me give you a verse to test these people. Because there's going to be people come by and they're going to test you. They might knock on your door and they want to tell you about these problems. They want to tell, give you a Bible study and they want to show you a New Testament of the Latter-day Saints. And they want to, I'll give you the verse to test every one of them. And it's a simple verse. Turn to Acts chapter 16. This is the verse I gave to a friend of mine that was being attacked by Jehovah's Witness. This Jehovah's Witness kept messing with him and talking to him after lunch. Talking to him at lunch. And I, he said, what do I do? I said, well, give him, ask him this verse. And see what his answer is. Because I gave him the answer out of the Bible. And see what his answer is. And if his answer is anything other than what the Bible says, then you know he's of the devil. Acts 16. Look at verse 30. Now Paul and Silas, they're in jail, the great earthquake. The jailer comes in. He thinks he's about to have to kill himself. He thinks Paul and Silas have escaped. They haven't escaped. So he brings them out. The jailer brings out Paul and Silas. He sits there in verse 30. And this is what the jailer says. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a question every man should ask, and woman, boy and girl. What must I do to be saved? So if somebody comes knocking on your door, and they want to give you this material, they want to talk to you, you just simply ask them, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? That's a, such a simple question. And God's got a simple answer. Look at the next verse. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Is it that simple, Brother Keegan? I just went through about 20 scriptures. Did I not just go through about 20 scriptures? Yes, my friend, it's just that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if they start crawfish, they say, well, 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 you know, there's more to it than that. You need to go get baptized. Kick them, boop, give them the boot. Well, it's a little, there's a little more to that than that. You just turn around and you give them the boot. Say, so, well, you know, my Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Guys, I'm not even giving you all the verses. I didn't give you all the verses. I just give you a quick rundown so you know what to do because you know what? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Is it that simple, Brother Keegan? God made it that simple so anybody could get saved because he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come into repentance. He wants people saved. He wants people saved. He wants you saved. He wants me saved, Brother Keegan? If you only knew what I did, let me tell you something. I know God wants you saved because he's willing to come down and be put himself into flesh in the form of Jesus Christ and walk, walk among wicked sinners. Come down from the glory of heaven, walk among wicked sinners and let people spit and whip him and get himself put on the cross of Calvary and die for you. That's how much I know he wants you saved. He's willing to die for you. And I, may I present to you Jesus Christ, the crucified Savior of the world. You can take Muhammad. You can take Buddha. You can take the Pope. You can take the Kingdom Hall. You can take the Latter-day Saints. You can take whatever you want to take. But let me ask you this simple question. What did they do for you like Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary? That's why I serve Jesus Christ. Not because I'm trying to get to heaven. Boy, if I was relying on me serving Jesus Christ to get me to heaven, I'd go straight to hell like a bullet. Amen. I'm serving Jesus Christ simply because I love him. I love that man. I love that man. He died for me. And when I was a sorry, rotten sinner with no hope, he said, I'll save you. I'll save you. Amen. That's the love you can only find in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, Lord God. Oh, Lord, thank you so much that it's so simple. Lord, I would mess it up if you gave me something to do to get saved. Lord God, I would mess it up I would, I would mess it up in a big way, Lord God, and I thank you that you've done it all, that you finished it on the cross of Calvary, Lord. Lord, thank you that it's so simple, because even if I could do it, Lord God, I know some friends that couldn't do it, and they wouldn't make it to heaven. But Lord, oh, thank you, Lord, that you made it so simple that some of my rotten, no-good friends, they're going to get to go to heaven because of the love you have for them, and because they simply put their faith in you as their Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for saving my mom. Lord, I can't thank you enough for saving the ones I love so dear to me. Lord, I can't thank you enough for heaven. Lord, I can't thank you enough for your blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Lord, thank you for dying for me. And Lord, if there's somebody that's never put their faith in you, Lord, they've never received you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I'm just asking that you'll speak to their heart right now through the Holy Spirit. Let them know you love them. Let them know you want to save them. Let them know it's so easy. They just need to take this free gift. Lord, thank you for making it a free gift. And Lord, thank you for these people that want to hear the truth. Lord, thank you that there's still a church, Lord God, that wants to preach the truth and hear the truth preached, Lord God. 
Lord God, I ask you anywhere, Lord God, that's preaching Jesus Christ crucified and salvation through Him and Him alone, Lord God, I ask you to bless that church this morning, Lord God. I ask that your Holy Spirit will move on this country, Lord God, and move on the preachers that they'll start preaching Jesus Christ and lift Him up and glorify Him in every way, Lord. I ask you to move, Lord God, on this country. Forgive us, Lord God, where we fail you. Thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying all this in His precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's have an invitation. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.